Coming up, would you wait five hours for a burger? If you want to know the truth, it's Patrick Mahomes' favorite burger. <laughs> and we love him. Also this half hour, guess who is at the White House this week? Rolling in revenue, our local leaders now working on ways to spend an infrastructure windfall. From gondolas to solar farms, turning highways into parks and thinking big about the streetcar. Could this be your new ride to take you to the game? I'm excited. Yeah, go to the go to the Royals, the Chiefs, not have to drive. Plus, fighting back on vaccine mandates in Kansas. We have to protect people's personal liberties, and we have to protect their jobs. Those are the two keys right now, and time is of the essence. Week in Review is made possible through the generous support of AARP Kansas City, Dave and Jamie Cummings, Bob and Marlise Gorley, the Courtney S. Turner Charitable Trust, John H. Mize and Bank of America N.A. co-trustees, and by viewers like you. Thank you. Hello and welcome, I'm Nick Haynes. Good of you to join us on our journey through the news of our week, pouring through the Metro's most impactful and befuddling headlines. From KCUR News, Lisa Rodriguez is with us. Business and development reporter Kevin Collison from City Scene KC, always on call from the Kansas City Call, Eric Wesson, and Dave Helling of your Kansas City Star. Guess who was at the White House this week? How about Kansas City Mayor Quinton Lucas? He was invited by President Biden to be at the signing ceremony for the new $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill. We don't see him in the crowd shots, but he says he was in the second row. We know the $14 billion is heading to Kansas and Missouri to improve things like roads and bridges. But did you see what some of our local cities now want to do with the money? In Kansas City, some officials salivating over the idea of using the cash to help jumpstart a new east-west streetcar line that could take you all the way to the sports complex. Can you imagine Lisa Rodriguez ditching your car and taking the streetcar to watch the Chiefs play? I, I would I would love to ditch my car just in, in general, but that's just me. I, I do think that, that when it comes to the streetcar, there is there is momentum there with the extent the north-south extensions already underway. There is public buy-in. We've seen the starter, the starter line generate development. We've seen it become a very popular attraction. So I do think I think that there is the the buy-in there for East-West. I think that that makes the streetcar accessible to more people in this city. Now, could one of the obstacles, though, to this happening be a Democrat by the name of Kansas City Congressman Emmanuel Cleaver? We're going to spend hundreds of millions of dollars, I want people who desperately need uh, jobs to be able to take the system and to go and get those jobs. Does that make it that much more difficult now, Eric? No, not really. It depends on basically what his relationship is in this process. Uh, if they're just going to turn the money over to cities and let them navigate how that money is spent, I think that kind of takes him out of the equation. Dave. Well, a couple of things. First of all, extending the streetcar from, say, the KU hospital medical center area east and west all the way to uh, the Truman Sports Complex, Nick, would cost a lot of money easily. By the time it's built, it would easily cost a billion dollars. And unlike the north-south streetcar, you wouldn't be able, it would be difficult, I'll put it that way, to tax uh, the people who live along the streetcar to pay some of the cost because the tax base is just much less uh, uh, available on the east side than it would be, say, up and down Main Street or into downtown. So 
The financing is an issue. The federal government's involvement is interesting, but not assured. Uh, and one of the things, and we'll talk about this on the other projects that are on the list, one of the things you have to be careful for is that this money is spent on important infrastructure and not on things like the gondolas or other sort of frou-frou projects because criticism will just mount because of that. So this is much more difficult than I think people know. But as uh, Dave Helling points out, though, Kevin, this would actually go onto the cancer side, too. The University of Kansas Hospital says they would help pay for it to, to make that line right. work. That's jobs, too. You're connecting people to a workplace and where people can get medical care. What's not right. to like? Well, and, and I, I think uh, you hit on a good point there. The uh, Probably the most appealing extension would be the one to the west uh, because it would go down 39th Street from Main Street, connecting with the new north-south route and would link a, a pretty strong job center. And also the sim symbolism of actually crossing the border into Kansas is big, but Dave makes a very good point. And we would have to change how we fund our streetcar if we were to take it east of Maine, because right now it's based on what they call these transportation development districts. That's where the local funding comes from. And you have to have some substantial property values to make that work and some also substantial shopping because the sales tax is part of that. And you just don't see that revenue source when you move east. And Chiefs fans are not going to give up tailgating. They're going to be driving out there to that game, parked in the parking lot, drinking, barbecuing, and having a good time. You can't do that with a streetcar. So, yeah. All of our elected officials on both sides of state line are now dreaming big, thinking of new ways to spend this money. Did you see Wyandotte County has its own ideas? The county's planning director has proposed an aerial gondola that would connect downtown Kansas City, Kansas, with downtown Kansas City, Missouri. Everyone seems to be wanting to bridge divides these days. Isn't this a great way, Lisa, of using federal money to connect two cities that are right next to each other but feel like light years apart? If we think an east-west streetcar extension is is out of the realm for, for this stuff, I think gondolas from downtown KCK to Kansas City, Missouri is is really just that. It's 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 a dream. It sounds fun, but I think that there's just a lot of hurdles there. I don't think that it's something that that sounds realistic right now and that people want want I don't know that it's where people want to see this money spent. I think that there are yeah. serious infrastructure needs, much more basic needs that people want. And I don't know that now is the time for 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 an idea quite like this. We just saw that video there though, Kevin. That was Portland. Other cities do these things. This proposal also was not thrown out there in anticipation of getting immediate funding from this infrastructure bill. But I do credit people for thinking big uh, you know, I do think it's a good thing to talk about it. it. You know, it's certainly one element that also people haven't discussed is it would also help the West Bottoms because they're talking about a potential of a couple of stations there. And of course, that area is really starting to take off and it's very cut off from the downtown. But, um, you, know, I, you know, I'd like to see people think big. This is just a conversation right now. And it's a much more logical idea than what Clay Chastain was throwing out. Yeah, you mentioned Clay Chastain because Dave Helling, isn't that true? In, in 2006, tucked into his light rail plan that would have connected light rail from downtown to the airport, there was a, a gondola plan that would take people on a ride, aerial ride around Penn Valley Park. That proposal passed with 53% of the vote. It's just the city council said no to that and implementing it. Right. Clay's uh, plan always had, to, in his uh, artwork, always showed the big gondola up and down Penn Valley Park uh, through Union Station. Um, uh, you know, Kevin is right. It's good to think big. 
But the price tag for all of these improvements is huge, Nick. And one of the points I was trying to make a few moments ago is the eyes of the country will be on cities and how they spend this infrastructure money. Will it go for important improvements to highways and drinking water systems and rural broadband, or will it be spent on sort of gaudy projects, one-time projects? If that happens, I think enthusiasm for another package of federal spending will drop. Eric. Uh, Governor Kelly was talking about shovel-ready projects for the state of Kansas, and I think that's something that's going to be on the forefront for all cities is what projects do we have that are ready to go. Could one of those shovel-ready pro uh, projects, by the way, be putting a lid over the highway that dissects downtown Kansas City? Did you see that proposal being reignited this week? That's the deck over the I-67 highway. Several cities, including Chicago, have successfully built over highways and installed parks and other public amenities over the top. It does seem an expensive architectural feat, given all the things this money could be used for, Kevin Collison. Why is this considered a priority project? It's been around for at least 10, 12 years. It's been discussed. Uh, they've got it to the point where it would cover about four blocks, rough, roughly $160 million. People behind it say it would increase dramatically property values. Uh, it would mend a wrenching wound that occurred back in the 60s when this downtown freeway loop basically cut off the central business district from the surrounding areas. Uh, you've got some private money that has expressed interest to people who own Lowe's, Cordish, and other developers who would see how this would improve both the appeal and the attract, you know, and the uh, and the uh, rents, et cetera, they could get. But hey, I also want to just throw one last thought in before we get away from infrastructure. You know, um, we're talking about these city projects, the streetcar, potential gondola, these things. But you know, Overland Park is about ready to spend more than three hundred million dollars to widen U.S. sixty nine to six lanes from uh, from a hundred and. 3rd Street to 151st Street. That's about the length of the streetcar that's being extended from downtown to UMKC. So let's remember that, you know, if we're thinking seriously about climate change, about, in, in, you know, making a more dense environment where we consume less energy and moving away from sprawl, let's talk about dropping hundreds of millions of dollars to widen highways that are just going to spread this area out even more. Just wanted to throw that out as a thought. You know, there is a push, of course, to have much more environmentally fr uh, friendly projects. Mayor Lucas is eyeing building the largest solar farm in the country on land right next to the KCI airport terminal with this money. According to the city manager, it would produce enough energy to power every home in the city. It has the potential to power most or all of the homes and businesses in all of Kansas City. First, I thought the airlines pushed back against solar panels at the airport because it caused too much glare. And it could be a hazard to pilots, Eric. They're still going to have that same pro problem because on the kind of drawings or sketchings, they're right there next to the runway. So when their planes are landing at certain times of the day, it would have a tremendous glare. You know, that's, a, that's kind of a lofty project to me because when we talk about infrastructure and we talk about all the things that need to be done, even though we have the GO bonds that people are paying for, streets in Kansas City are still pretty bad. And even though they look like some things are being done, there's still a lot of potholes and areas that, um, matter of fact, right now my car is in the shop getting the rim fixed. But if, unlike, say, the streetcar, unlike the gondola, it, if you don't ride this, 
you, you may not see the benefit. But with this project, the solar panels, wouldn't we see the opportunity to see our electric bills go down, Lisa? I think this the idea of this large electric farm and, and, and ability to power the whole city could be potentially transformative. When I when you think of a project that that benefits the entire city rather than one portion of the city, I think this has the potential to be huge. That said, it's extremely complicated. You're bringing in, once you're on an airport, you, you've got federal aviation authorities to deal with. You do have that air traffic to deal with. It is, you know, it's there are a lot of hurdles to get through here, but the potential of it and the potential for Kansas City truly to be a leader nationwide for, for renewable energy is that is that is tempting it doesn't have a downside kevin well i mean you mentioned the glare factor which is something they'd have to work out i i know in indianapolis um, i've flown into their airport before they have an array of solar panels so i'm thinking something that can be doable um and uh, you know again getting back into thinking boldly and thinking about the 21st century and where we want kansas city to be I think it's a you know a fantastic idea to explore further. I really do, Nick, and uh, I applaud the uh, city manager and others for pushing it. In other news this week, is there anything so important in your life that you're willing to wait more than five hours in line to get it? Would you wait five hours to get a burger and some fries? Many of your friends and neighbors did this week as the first water burger opened its doors in Lee Summit. I think I arrived just before 6 a.m. and I I just love the taste. 16 years I waited for this. Man, until you have it, I can't I can't share the secret. You haven't tasted nothing yet. <laughs> if you've never been to Whataburger, can you help explain why the San Antonio-based restaurant chain is causing mayhem in Kansas City this week? Eric, is it because it's Patrick Mahomes' favorite burger, or is there more to it than that? I guess so, and it's something new and different, and Patrick Mahomes is responsible for it. I wish he'd come down here on 18th and Street, 18th Street and say, hey, develop this area, and let's see how fast we get rolling down here. Was the Helling family station wagon one of those cars we saw in line in Lee Summit this week, Dave? No. No. <laughs> the last thing I need is yet another hamburger option. I'll just put it to you that way. Didn't we go through the same thing on the plaza five or six years ago with another burger chain? Was it In-N-Out Burger or some other? Shake Shack. Shake Shack, yes. yes. Same, I'm sorry. By the way, the PR officer for Shake Shack on the plaza just resigned because obviously the branding <laughs> wasn't good enough that you couldn't even remember what store it was. But can you help us understand, you know, is, why this is such a big deal this week, Lisa? Whataburger has always had this cult following. I, I lived in, I went to school in, in Texas. I've been to Whataburger. I, this may be the most controversial thing I've ever said on this show. It didn't, it didn't, you know, blow my mind, but I, but I get it. And you know what, in, in this climate with, with, you know, two years into a pandemic, maybe it just feels like you want community. You want to get excited about something. You want to take the day off work to get yourself a dang burger and be part of this zeitgeist, be part of the Patrick Holmes family of Whataburger fans. I, that's, that's the only explanation I can come up with because to me, it wasn't the burger itself. By the way, Whataburger will be a sponsor on this program in the new year, so <laughs> we'll be editing out Lisa's comments relating to what she said about the chain. <laughs> Kevin, how, is this really different? We had Ikea come to town, we had Trader Joe's. They were big deals too. Is this bigger or about the same? We've just forgotten. Uh, yeah, I think it's about the same. I mean, you know, I remember when Krispy Kreme was a phenomenon. 
and people lined up to get into the Krispy Kreme. Then they expanded so you could buy a Krispy Kreme at every truck stop in America. Nobody cared anymore. Now, we in the media, of course, love to make a big deal about the latest thing, but shouldn't we also celebrate our local businesses and institutions that have thrived against the odds and are marking monumental milestones? Here's three big headlines to celebrate this week. This month marks 100 years since construction began on Liberty Memorial. And here's another big headline. This week marks the 30th anniversary of the opening of the Arabia Steamboat Museum. When it opened in the River Market, it was touted as the largest single collection of pre-Civil War artifacts in the world. But for how much longer will it be here? I would almost assure you that come November of 2026, the museum doors will close. This month also marks the 25th anniversary of the bi-state tax selection to reopen and restore Union Station. It's hard for us to remember now, but at the time of that vote, Union Station had been closed for more than a decade. Amtrak had moved out of the decaying building, and its only visitors were pigeons and the homeless. Given the political division we have today, doesn't it seem remarkable this could even have happened, Dave? By and large, there was universal bipartisan, bi-state agreement that there needed to be some mechanism to repair the station. Although, remember, it was a limited tax. I think it was six years, an eighth of a cent. That helped people uh, support it. Here's the important thing to remember, Nick. The Bi-State Commission, which oversaw that effort, still exists, still meets, still has a budget, and is still under law able to, through petition, put a ballot measure or a measure on the ballot that would pay for a sports stadium. And there's already yak about using that mechanism to try and get both states uh, to support downtown baseball if it happens through some sort of sales tax. So. The, the mechanism is still around, and that's what's going to be important over the next decade. Kevin, is that the only project being considered for a potential bi-state tax? And if that were to be about the downtown ballpark, wouldn't Kansas want something, too, on their side of the state line as part of that tax? Actually, Nick, it's, you bring up a good point. You know, they tried to come up with a bi-state uh, 15 years ago. I can't remember when we were talking about renovating the Truman Sports Complex. And uh, they also tried to pair it with something that I think did have a lot of merit, which was a joint funding for our major cultural institutions in Kansas City, the Nelson, uh, you know, the Symphony, all these major regional cultural amenities. But as you mentioned, though, that tax effort did fail. Can you see any project that would gain any success, Eric? I think a downtown stadium would eventually once they roll it out. Uh, but... Uh, the soccer people, they're using their own money. So I don't know if right now it's a climate to tax people. I always say we need to put a dome on top of Arrowhead Stadium so we can get a Super Bowl in here and possibly uh, increased revenue in the Kansas City metropolitan area. You make the point, though, about the um, the new soccer team, this women's soccer team, building their stadium on the riverfront there with their own money, Lisa. Uh, doesn't that take a wind out of the sails of folks who are wanting to spend public dollars on a sports uh, stadium? Seeing this happen without big asks for um, for incentives or tax breaks um, shows that it, it can be done. But we'll see. I don't I don't think it's going to slow people from asking. There's probably a different price tag in building a soccer stadium down on the riverfront than it is a baseball or football stadium. So. That's, that's something else to take into consideration as well. In the headlines we just showed, we also talked about the Steamboat Arabia Museum, Kevin, and we saw the uh, owner of the uh, 
Steamboat Arabia, David Hawley, saying, you know, we're going to be gone from Kansas City in 2026. We're not going to be there anymore. Is that just a threat to get the city to, you know, throw in some more money to keep them there? Or is that likely to happen? It's a great, great cultural amenity. Some people tell me it's one of the, you know, top five things they recommend out of the towners to check out when they're in town. You know, I, I think its current home in the city market is is definitely not going to be there in whenever their lease expires. I mean, they, there are other uses for that space that I think the city would like to pursue. And I think he referred to it, you know, they want to put in some more restaurants, more vendors, et cetera. But that's not to say you can't find a way to find a new home. I know it, there was an idea kicked around a few years ago of seeing if they could get them over into Union Station. That never went anywhere. But I'm frankly surprised that Kansas hasn't tried a star bond option to, uh, to to actually use that as a cultural amenity that would draw people from other places and help some developer uh, do a larger project out there. You know, they tried it with Prairie Fire and that museum really never uh, took off from everything I know. But the Steamboat Arabia is a genuine attraction. So I wouldn't rule it out not finding a new home somewhere in the metro. But I see Kansas wasn't listed as one of the potential homes. And in fact, it was St. Joseph, Jefferson City, and Pennsylvania, which was where the Steamboat Arabia was actually built and came from as it made its way uh, towards Missouri. I didn't want to start the program talking about COVID, but there were some significant stories worth pointing out this week. The Jackson County Legislature voted to end its mask mandate 10 days early. Within hours, school districts from Blue Springs to Grain Valley drop their face covering requirements. And Roland Park, the only Johnson County city requiring you to wear a mask in stores, bars and restaurants, dropped its mandate on Monday. Will we look back on this week, Lisa, as the week our metro finally gave up on masks? This, this is a moment where, where virtually no, no municipalities no jurisdictions are requiring masks anymore. But at the same time, we are seeing COVID cases creep up again. We are getting to a point where the weather is getting cooler and people are coming back indoors. I'm not confident enough to say that we won't see masks again. Now, on Monday, Kansas lawmakers will head back to Topeka to launch a special session of the legislature to work on ways to limit the impact of new Biden administration vaccine mandates. This is simply a question of right versus wrong, good versus evil. Either you stand against Biden or you stand with him. We have to protect people's personal liberties and we have to protect their jobs. Those are the two keys right now and time is of the essence. One proposal would ensure those fired for refusing the vaccine are given state unemployment benefits. The second would block employers from probing workers about their beliefs if they seek a religious exemption. By the way, Dave, we do see OSHA now saying they will not enforce the current Biden vaccination mandates on businesses over 100 employees. Does that mean that Kansas session will be canceled? Not according to everything we know as we take this program, Nick. Now, there may be some discussion of that later, but my guess is Lawmakers will gather anyway, put this stuff into state law, dare Laura Kelly to veto it, which she will likely not do. She's already been, as we know, critical a little bit of the OSHA rules, and she may just sort of, uh, you know, meet the legislature at where its discussion is by signing those bills. So we'll see. Uh, the broader question, which I think is very interesting, is the lack of enthusiasm in the public for further COVID restrictions or regulations. People are just very, very tired of it, and I think politicians have a sense of that. When you put a program like this together every week, you can't get to every local story grabbing the headlines. What was the big local story we missed? It was a topsy-turvy week in sports. KU beats Texas, its first road win in 13 years. And could this be right? UMKC beats Mizzou? 
A public memorial this week for philanthropist and financier Kenneth Baum. And large crowds gather at Johnson County Community College to remember former Congressman Dennis Moore. The wait continues for a judge's ruling in the Kevin Strickland innocence case. And remember that petition to bring back slavery? Well, just a silly joke between a black and a mixed-race student. That, according to a lawsuit filed by the boy's parents, incensed by the discipline they received from the Park Hill School District. The Auschwitz exhibit has been extended. Union Station says attendance has already outpaced New York. It will stay in Kansas City until March. Netflix spotlights Kansas City this week as it premieres a new film about sex abuse in the Catholic Church. The documentary is called Procession. And bar humbug! Covid took the show online last year, now A Christmas Carol makes its big return this week at the Kansas City Rep. Alrighty, Lisa, did you pick one of those stories or something completely different? There were there were a lot of good ones in there. I, I'm going to go with with you know still waiting for for the Kevin Strickland verdict. That's something that people have been watching for for months now. People um, have been waiting and watching every twist and turn. Um, both sides are, are scheduled to have briefs to to the judge by Monday, which means that early next week, potentially, we could have a decision there. So I think that's something to keep an eye on still. Eric. I agree with uh, Lisa and what she said and wishing everybody a happy Thanksgiving. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Eric. Dave. Uh, a new poll released Thursday by Morning Consult has Governor Mike Parson at 51 percent approval in Missouri. That's actually pretty good. But... Laura Kelly, the governor of Kansas, is at 54% favorable. That's a very strong position for a Democrat in Kansas. Puts her in a strong position as she heads into the election year in 2022. And Kevin. I think the extension of the Auschwitz exhibit at Union Station is, is probably powerful in a symbolic way, particularly because in the context of these days, when you have so many history illiterates wearing stars of David to hearings on the fact that they have to wear a mask, you know, for people to want to inform themselves and for that Auschwitz exhibit to continue and more people going in there and learning about true history and not just minor inconveniences, uh, it's, yeah, I think that's a very newsworthy and very symbolic. And on that, we will say our week has been reviewed. Thanks to KCUR's Lisa Rodriguez, the Coles' Eric Wesson, Kevin Collison from City Scene KC, and Dave Helling of your Kansas City Star. Next week, we have no show. We're heading into our winter membership drive, which provides the fuel for us to produce this show all year long. As truckers like to say, we'll see you on the flip side. From all of us here at Kansas City PBS, happy Thanksgiving. And don't forget, be well, keep calm, and carry on.